Deuteronomy chapter 29, verse 29. It's a passage many of us know very well. The book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy, as they will say in my in God's own country. The book of Deuteronomy, chapter 39, verse 29. Let's open our Bibles. Deuteronomy 29, 29. It's only one verse. It's a verse I know many of us can easily recite for me. But it says, The secret things belong unto the Lord our God. But those things which are revealed belong unto us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law, that we may do all the words of this law. And so this morning, for a few minutes, the topic I'll be discussing with us is the secrets of the Lord. What's the topic again? The secrets of the Lord. The secrets of the Lord. A few things are emphasized by the passage we just read. Very briefly. And I highlighted only three of them. The first thing from that passage is that God is a God of secrets. God is what? Another way to put that is, a, is to say God is a God that has secrets. True or false? Our God is a God of secrets. And not only is he a God of secrets, he dwells in a secret place. That's the part of the first point. He's a God of secrets and he dwells where? In a secret place. That's what the Bible tells us. Psalm 91 verse 1 says, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High. We've been talking about the Most High uh, for some weeks. He says, Shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. If you dwell where God dwells, then you are protected and you are covered. And I want to tell someone here today, you are covered. Amen. I want to tell someone here today, you are protected. Amen. I want to tell someone here today, corona or no corona, you are not going to be sick. Amen. And if you are not going to be sick, you cannot die. Amen. Tell somebody, my appointed time to die has not come. Tell somebody, there is no death in these eyes. Tell the person, I ain't going nowhere. So shall it be in Jesus' name. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. In Isaiah chapter 57 verse 15, Isaiah 57 verse 15, the Bible says, For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabited eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place, with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble, to revive the heart of the contrite ones. He said, I dwell where? In the high and holy place. He dwells in a high place. He dwells in a holy place. But he also dwells with somebody. Somebody who is interested in holiness and humility. Tell somebody, God dwells with me. You have to mean it. Say, God dwells with me. So the first point is that God is a God of secrets. And he dwells in a secret place. The second point is, God desires to reveal these secrets to his people. Point number two, God does what? So he has secrets. He desires to reveal the secrets to his people. 
Do you know, brethren, God had some secrets that were revealed to a man by name Samson. And the first secret that Samson knew was that for as long as he did not cut his hair, what would happen? Nobody could destroy him. How did Samson use that secret? Anybody? How did he use the secret? He abused it. Did he not abuse it? He knew that for as long as his hair was not cut, no human being born of a woman could overcome him. And so he went on a sinning spree. Is that not what he did? He knew that for as long as he kept that secret to himself, he was safe. Then he got to a point that he thought he was unconquerable. And I said, well, I will tell her, there's nothing she can do. After all, nobody can conquer me. That is the reason many a times God does not reveal the details of our future to us. Because if he reveals it unto you, you will spoil God's plan for him. So he just takes it one step at a time. That is why the secret I know God has revealed concerning everybody here today is that it shall be well with you. Amen. I say it shall be well with you. Amen. It's a secret that God has revealed concerning everybody here. As General Vasya said, somebody came to him one day and said, man of God, they say you are a prophet. Say, no, I'm not a prophet, I'm a pastor. Say, but they said you see the future. I say, oh, yes, I see into the future. Whatever God reveals to me, I tell his people. He said, tell me. Tell me about my future. He said, yeah, that one is very easy. Very simple. He said, are you born again? He said, no. He said, oh, your future is terrible. <laughs> said, you've not even prayed. You didn't even ask God. He said, oh, I know. The Bible tells me. Say ye unto the wicked. What will happen? It shall be ill with him. Your future is terrible. He said, but the same Bible says, say ye unto the righteous, what? It shall be well with him. And I know there are many righteous men in the house today. And I'm declaring unto you, it shall be well with you. And declaring unto you, it shall be glorious to you. So not only, number two, I said, God desires to reveal these secrets to his people. That's why Amos chapter 3 verse 7 says, surely, tell somebody, surely, the Lord God will do nothing but he revealed his secret unto his servants, the prophets. And the third point, and we are going to be dwelling much about this third point. The third point, that was Amos chapter 3 verse 7. The third point is the secrets of the Lord are both creative and relational. The secrets are what? They are creative, they are relational. Remember where we started? We said the secret things in the pattern we read belong unto the Lord our God. And it's very important that that passage did not just say the secret things belong to God. But it said they belong to the Lord our God. Those secrets are both creative and relational. The creative name of God is Elohim. Is what? So when you go to Genesis chapter 1 verse 1, the Bible says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. God in that passage is the Elohim. The name Elohim demonstrates the creative part of God 
both then and now. The creative power of God when? Then and now. So God is still creating some things for some individuals. See, that's why the Bible says we must be careful what we say with our mouth. Because there's a power in your tongue. With your mouth you can create. If you know your place, if you know your position as a true child of God. I don't know, whatever followed you here today, I have been sent to tell you, it shall be well with you. Amen. Whatever followed you here today, I don't know. But I've been sent to tell you, you will finish well. Amen. Whatever followed you here today, I don't know. But I've been sent to tell you, fear not. Tell somebody, fear not. Fear God will fight for you. Amen. And you'll be victorious through to the end in Jesus' name. Amen. So Elohim demonstrates the creative power of God. And even though this name shows the supremacy of God, it is not a name that shows God relating with man. It is a demonstration of power that is fearful. A demonstration of what? When God, and that's why when you look at the book of Genesis, chapter 1, verse 3, God said, let there be light. The God that was creating, that was decreeing, that was saying, let there be, and there was, is Elohim. When God made a covenant with Abraham, he came to him and announced himself as the God Almighty, the most powerful, the El Shaddai. In Genesis chapter 17, Genesis chapter 17, verses 1 and 2, we started by saying, God, the creator, is the Elohim. You go to Genesis chapter 17, verses 1 and 2, we see God revealing himself to Abraham as what? The almighty God. When Abraham was 90 years old and nine, the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, I am the almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. And verse 2 said, I will make my covenant between me and thee and will multiply thee exceedingly. There's someone here in our midst today, God will multiply you. I said, God will multiply you. Amen. One of the words the Lord gave us to us yesterday is that he will multiply us. As a church, he will multiply us. Amen. As individuals, he will multiply us. Amen. He will multiply your substance. Amen. Because you are here today, because you are part of this commission, I can assure you, you will not die without lineage. Amen. Do you understand that? When it's your time to go, you will look back and say, ah, God has been good to me. There's a song we sing that says, God has smiled on me. He has set me free. God has smiled on me. He's been good to me. You may not know it too. Or maybe you did not know it. Now I'm telling you. God has been good to you. Some people don't even believe that. Oh, yes. I say, God has been good to you. Yes. Okay, point to me and say, God has been good to you. Yes. I say to I me, mean, I said for you, now you said for me, say, God has been good to me. <laughs> God has smiled on me. He has set me free. God has smiled on me. He has been good to me. He will continue to be good to you in Jesus' name. Yes. When God appeared to Abraham as the Lord Almighty, he did a number of things. 
Number one, he changed the name of Abraham to Abraham. The name of Abraham to what? He changed his name from exalted father to father of nations. In Genesis chapter 17 verse 5. Then he went ahead, number two, and changed the name of Sarai to Sarah. In Genesis chapter 17 verse 15. Now, if you look at Abraham and Abraham. Abraham and Abraham. What did God add to the name? What did he add to, from Abraham to Abraham? He added H. Right? That was the letter that was missing that he added to it. He already had A in it, right? Aha. What did God add to Sarai? To give her a new name? H. And Hebrew scholars make us to understand that the letter H. H is a letter, right? Aha. The letter H is the fifth letter of the Greek alphabet. And what does the number five stand for? That is why when God came to Abraham and he was saying what he would make of him. Um, let us sit. Let us sit uh, here. And he was saying what he would make of him. God kept saying, I will make a covenant with you. I will multiply you. I will lift you up. I will do this. I will do that. Everything was to be done by who? By who? By God. So, the, I mean, when God appeared to Abraham and changed the story of his life, God appeared to him as a God of grace. Amen. That God of grace is in our midst today. Amen. I say that God of grace is in our midst today. Amen. I say that God of grace is in our midst today. Amen. And it will change your circumstances in Jesus' name. When God, when the, uh, this most high, the Lord Almighty, he made a covenant. Number one, we said he changed Abraham to Abraham. He changed Sarai to Sarah. Number three, he made a covenant with Abraham. He unilaterally came to him and said, I will establish my covenant with you. And I know God is speaking to someone here today. God is telling someone here today. I will establish my covenant with you. Amen. I know that God is talking to Christ Chapel. He's saying he will establish his covenant with us. Amen. And it's a covenant of peace. Amen. It's a covenant of life. Amen. It's a covenant of love. Amen. It's a covenant that is eternal. Amen. It's a covenant the devil cannot tamper with. Amen. Look at that Genesis chapter 17 verse 2. He said, I will make my covenant between me and thee and will multiply thee. How? How? Exceedingly. I will multiply thee exceedingly. And in verse 4, Genesis 17 verse 4, he said, As for me, behold, my covenant is with thee. Is it's God that is the one that came. He's the one that said, I want to make a covenant with you. He's the one that said, I will multiply you. He's the one that said, I will establish you. He's the one, it's God that is saying everything that he will do. He only gave Abraham a simple instruction at the end of the day. And we'll come to that. That's the next point. He established the covenant with Abraham with a token or a sign of circumcision at the age of 99. That was all he expected from him. And the next point is, he blessed Abraham and his seed as a work of grace. He did what? 
He blessed Abraham and his seed as a work of grace. We are still talking about the Lord, the, uh, God Almighty that appeared to Abraham. When you look at that Genesis 17, verse 6 to 8, it says, I will make you exceedingly fruitful. I will make nations of thee. Kings shall come out of thee. I will establish my covenant between me and thee, and thy seed after thee in their generations, for an everlasting covenant, to be a God unto thee, and to thy seed after thee. At this point in time, brethren, Abraham already had Ishmael. But he had not yet, he, he didn't have uh, Isaac. But God was sick, God still came and said, you will have a child by Sarah. That is the child of covenant. I will bless Ishmael because it's your offspring. But that covenant will be made with who? With Isaac. Brethren, God is a God of details. God is a God of what? He determines who your father and your mother will be. Do you realize that? And as a father and a mother, he has determined who your children will be. Or who your children are. He's a covenant-keeping God. Because the covenant he has established with you is a generational one through those children. That's what the Bible says. Children are what? The heritage of the Lord. And you must make sure that you don't fail on account of those children. You will not fail in Jesus' name. I say you will not fail in Jesus' name. Amen. When it was time for God to fulfill his promise to Abraham, after his children had dwelt in Egypt for over 400 years, he now appeared to Moses. And when he appeared to Moses, he now revealed a different name unto Moses. Remember, we said the secrets of God are both what? Does anybody remember? They are both creative and so all this while we've been talking about the creative secret of God. Even when he came to Abraham, he was still talking about what he will do. What he will do for Abraham. But when he revealed himself to Moses, he now revealed a relational aspect of his secret. In Exodus chapter 6, Exodus chapter 6 from verse 2. Exodus chapter 6, verse 2 to 5, if you want to put it down. Exodus 6, verse 2 to 5. And God spoke to Moses and said unto him, I am the Lord. Now that is very important. I am what? He didn't say, I am God Almighty. It's not like in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 that says, in the beginning God did this. He now said, I am the Lord. Look at verse 3. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, by my name of what? God Almighty. Not the Lord. By my creative name. By my powerful name. By my name by which I can do and undo. But I did not appear to them with my relational name. He said, but my, by my name, Jehovah, was I not known by them. The secret of God is creative and relational. And progressively, God related with man until he got to that point where he felt they are now in a position to be able to understand and accommodate relationship. Brethren, that's why we say marriage is not for children. Amen? You need to mature to a point in time that you understand the meaning of the word 
relationship. Even in dealing with man, God took man from Genesis chapter 1, from the point he made man. He began to reveal himself after thousands of years as the God that is powerful. And then he got to a point that said, yes, I can now make these people my people. And he began to reveal himself as Jehovah. Jehovah. In our passage of today, that's Deuteronomy chapter 29, verse 29 that we read. God is referred to as the Jehovah El Shaddai, the Lord our God. The Lord my God. The Lord your God. The secrets of the Lord. A God that relates to you and I. Not a God that stands afar. That says, if I move close to them, they are stiff-necked people, I will destroy them. No. But a God that is proud to be your father. A God that is proud to say, I created you, I formed you for a relationship. A God that, is, that can say, I want to know you, if only you desire to know me. The question is, do you want to know him? Or do you even know him at all? Paul said that I may do what? Know him. And the power of his resurrection. And the benefits of his suffering. Being made conformable unto him. I believe that's Philippians chapter 3 verse 10. That I may know him. At whatever level you are, you can still know him better. You can know him the more. He's the Jehovah El Shaddai, the Lord God, the keeper of all secrets, the one with whom all secrets abide. And as a secret, I'm going to mention very briefly, and then we'll round up this morning. And that is what I call, or what the Bible calls, the secret of wisdom. What secret is that mentioned? The secret of wisdom. In Job chapter 11, verse 6. Job chapter 11, verse 6. The Bible says, And that he will show thee the secrets of wisdom, that they are double to that which is. Which is. Know therefore that God exerted of thee less than thine iniquity deserveth. What I want to bring out there is that there is something called the secret of wisdom. Who does this secret lie with? God. But it does, it's not with him that he might keep it. It's with him that he might reveal it to who? To who? If you desire. That's why James said that if any man lacks wisdom, let him do what? James chapter 1. James chapter 1. Verse 5. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God. That give it to all men liberally and operated not, and it shall be given him. And I'm going to paraphrase that statement. If you don't know what to do, do what? Is that not very simple? That is wisdom. If you don't know what to do, ask God. And brethren, God is not a wicked God. God is not a bad God. God is a father that is ever willing to reveal to us what we don't know. The Bible says, you have not because you do what? 
You ask not. And then when you ask, you ask amiss. Solomon had an opportunity to ask. In 2 Chronicles chapter 1, verse 6 to 8. 2 Chronicles chapter 1, verse 6 to 8. The Bible says Solomon went to the brazen altar before the Lord, which was at the tabernacle of the congregation, and offered a thousand burnt offerings, verse 7. He offered a thousand burnt offerings. In that night did God appear unto Solomon and said unto him, Ask what I shall give thee. And look at verse 8. And Solomon said unto God, You have shown great mercy unto my father. You have made me to reign in his stead. Now go to verse 10. Verse 10. Verse 10. Give me now what? Give me what? Wisdom and knowledge. That I may go out and come before these people. For who can judge these thy people that is so great? Solomon asked for wisdom. You know, the Bible says, Seek ye first, what? The kingdom of God and his righteousness. And what will be added unto you? Every other thing. All other things. Solomon asked for wisdom. God looked at him and said, Because you have asked for wisdom, I give you what you did not even ask for. I give you wealth. In addition to the wisdom. So that before you there was no king as rich as you are. And after you there will be none. And brethren, when a man has so much gold. That the Bible says silver was not even considered to be anything. That gold was like sand in the streets of Jerusalem. You can imagine that. I mean, his, his wealth was not paper wealth. His, not, his wealth was not the type of wealth that disappeared from the stock exchange overnight. If you have been following the, the, the market for the past one week, it's been a terrible week for many people. Is that also? The, the team just fired 1,000 points one day, 900 points the following day, 1,000 points the next day. And then, Guam, they said they were, it, it was in a correction phase, then it's going to recession phase, and all those terminologies. Solomon's wealth did not depend on the stock exchange, it was hard currency. Not paper currency, gold. And it was so, it was cheap on the streets of Jerusalem. That is God. Tell somebody that is God. Do you know that if this God is your father, he can do the same for you? The secret he revealed to Solomon that transformed his life, that turned his life around, that same secret is available unto you. That's why Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 18 says, Thou shalt remember the Lord thy God. For it is he that does what? He giveth thee the power to get wealth. But many of us don't want the power to get wealth that comes from God. We want to do it our own way. We want to get wealth by all crooked means. And come to church and give a, a, a token to God and say, God, you should be grateful. At least I came and I gave you something. It doesn't mean God will accept it. I pray for you. God will not reject your offering. Amen. Some people's offering is rejected even before they offer it. Our general overseer shared a story about a rich man, a very rich man that came into the church. He said at that point in time, the church was still built with a zinc. If you are familiar with God's own country, we can build very big edifices with zinc and wood. We are very creative. 
So the, the church was just zinc. And they had some archaic loudspeakers. And this rich man came and brought state-of-the-art speakers and everything that, was, that any pastor would say to God be the glory. This is an answer to prayer. In fact, neither let me pray for you. From the bottom of my heart for this that you have done. Members of the church were excited. He said, the Lord spoke to his heart and said, don't receive it. <laughs> he said he found it difficult to even tell the man. He said, sir, don't be offended though. But I know my father's voice. My father said what? I should reject your offering. He said the man went and stood beside a pillar in the church and was hitting his head against the pillar and said, ah, even God has rejected me. God will not reject you. Amen. I said, God will not reject you. Amen. There is a secret of wealth that comes from God. If you ask him, he will give it unto you. There is a secret of wisdom that will take you to heaven. And the fact that you are going to heaven does not mean that your reward is in heaven and not in here on earth. Like some teachers from, from God's own country. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't mean you'll be maltreated and you have nothing to show for it and they say your reward is in heaven. No. Brethren, God is a good God. Abraham was not a poor man. True or false? The Bible says Abraham had over 300 servants that were born in his own house. Uh -uh. The servants who were born in the house of Abraham were larger than this congregation. How can he be a poor man? He walked with God. Jacob was not a poor man. In fact, Jacob was shown a revelation that transformed his life. The devil has deceived many of us. And made us to see if you follow this God, you'll be poor. Where is your example? Show me an example of one person that followed God and died in poverty. No. None. Don't let the devil cheat you. Don't let the devil deceive you. God says, I've given you ten things. Give me one. You say, no, like our Gio said, he said, that, he said I'm a mathematician. That mathematics does not make sense. And brethren, you want to make sense of the things of God? You will wait until eternity. Because Christianity is a life of faith. It's a life of what? If you don't have faith, you cannot live this life successfully. The Bible says four times in the scriptures, we walk by what? By faith and not by sight. You hold on to your one dollar and say, God, I can't give you, uh, how much do you give out of one dollar? How much? Ten cents. Or oh, let me make it simple. You hold on your, to your ten dollars say, God, I can't give you one dollar out of ten. And then what happened? That one dollar, you will lose it. The ten dollar, what happens to it? You will lose it. But when you give God his one dollar, he will make a way for you. Amen. And I pray for someone here today. God will make a way for you. Amen. I pray for someone here today. God will open doors unto you. Amen. I pray for someone here today. God will smile on you. Amen. You will remember God and you will smile. Amen. There's a testimony that God is working out. When he has perfected it, men will envy you. Amen. Just when the time comes, before you start sharing your testimony, tell them, don't envy me. Maybe you should tell somebody and say, don't envy me. 
Because brethren, God will do it. I know he will do it. When we are praising God over the past three weeks for 15 hours, brethren, some words came out. And I know it is done. I know it is done. And brethren, you know, in the book of Habakkuk, the Bible says, division is for an appointed time. It said, do it, tarry, wait for it. But this vision is not, will not tarry. We have waited for 15 years. We have gotten to the point of eating what God has prepared for us. This is a time of divine performance. Receive it in Jesus' name. I say, receive it in Jesus' name. I say, receive it in Jesus' name.